0: But you're a rare you're a rare bird that you, having that ability to navigate and have advocate for yourself, whereas a lot of people don't have that ability and really do just want to show up somewhere and have have it kind of happen for
1: them. Which, you know, more power to those folks. For sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we, we we need to have the, the context of the alternative, right? Where we can just use this stuff again, and it may not be for a medical indication. It may be, again, we just want to sort things out. We want yes. to, you know, we don't want to think things over. We want to get again closer to nature. Yes. You know, whatever it happens to be, we, we have the right to use these compounds. I agree. I agree. You know, and I talk about something similar with the cannabis, too. We've really been
0: messaging that a lot on What's Good, which is grow your own weed. If it's a plant, if it's six plants, grow some yourself. One of the things that I'm seeing in this in this crashing right now of the cannabis industry is kind of the cannabis plant itself showing, like, hey, this isn't about making billions of dollars, millions Maybe so. of dollars, you know? And, like, when you go back, I think I was just saying this on one of the last shows, that a lot of the folks from the business side saw all these rappers with all these chains and all this money, and they thought, oh, there's all this money in cannabis. What they didn't realize is most of those people are actually selling cocaine. Right. And so, there's been this whole, like, you know, this whole kind of, like, false uh, false association of, like, I'm going to grow weed, I'm going to have a Ferrari, I'm going to have everything in Louis Vuitton, I'm going to have a yacht, but really... The majority of cannabis growers were growing cannabis to be outside of the corporate system with somebody's, you know, thumb on their neck every day. And what it would really gain you is maybe an extra vacation or two a year, the ability to be your own boss uh-huh. and the ability to just navigate through life, being able to go out to dinner if you want and be able to, like, go to the hardware store. It in around, around a conventional job. Right. You know, right. But uh-huh. it wasn't like, I mean, if you look at, you know, if you look at the Airbnb that I'm living in since my house burnt down, I'm not a millionaire. Right. N- nor mm-hmm. are you. Nice. You know, most of the folks that, that have been engaged in this economy of cannabis and plant teachers have been radically gifting away the proceeds of their labors because that's the message encoded within the substances.
1: I, I would tend to agree. I think the other thought was here's a whole other intoxicant industry similar to uh, uh, alcohol, right? Where we can, you know, put together the same kind of supply chain, right? That we have with alcohol. And they, they even tried to duplicate it, distributors you know, in Even between they, the a lot of the companies the tried to
0: duplicate it by hiring alcohol distributor assholes to ruin their whole weed company. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. like that was a good idea to begin with. <laughs> like that know? one we both worked for. Yeah. <laughs> that, you, you know, know. I, and again, uh, you know, I don't know how, I think this is an indication of how things are going throughout the market. That was a well-capitalized enterprise and everything was going along pretty good when I, what last became involved with it. Right. But, uh, Now, every week, I get one to three calls from either uh, vendors who haven't been paid or uh, distributors. From that company? uh, Regarding that company and saying, can you do something to Uh, see if I can get my bill paid? You know what was crazy, Dell, is when I worked for them, Mm -hmm.
0: I outlined everything they were doing wrong, what they needed to do to do it right. And then they hired that person from the alcohol industry to basically destroy the entire sales team and crush the whole thing to the ground. And then it turns out they finally start right now, they finally start, have been orienting towards like, oh, we actually need to grow our own weed and have our own in-house weed brands, which is our weed grown by people who give a shit. Uh And I was like, you know, I, then
1: it may be too late You uh, know, for um, them. I
0: think it actually might be too late because they've been so slow to get into the indoor game. Right. And right now in the legal, in the legal uh, lane, you can't. Really, write your write your brand story without indoor. Without indoor, it's you like we're can't. back. It's like we're back to the early mid '90s, and right. that's how it was in the early mid '90s. And it's like we're in that same scene where, as much as I wish indoor wasn't even a thing and didn't exist, the only way to make it, it is. is and the it only does. Way, yeah, the only way to make your name in the cannabis industry currently is with branded indoor. If you have yeah. high quality branded indoor, then you can really carve out a niche. And not to say that there aren't a couple of sun-grown or mixed-light brands that have done so. Yeah, but they're the, the exception. they were not they the were rule. The, they were the lucky early entries. Yeah. And really now it's like if you want to tell your story and really rise to the top of the pack, you have to have indoor.
1: I think the cookies model is instructive here. Yeah. You know, basically the some of the best genetics grown indoor, straight to the fucking dispensary. Yeah. And and they, they did phenomenally well. Okay. You know? Uh, and if you didn't have that imagination and you didn't see that coming... And you were still grinding away in, in an old model like that organization continued to do. Right. They should have been multi-state operators. They should have been, you know, they well, could have been, they had the capital to do all kinds right. of stuff. Well,
0: and the other thing that they really went wrong with is they had acumen towards tr- traditional beauty products and traditional mall 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 products. Mm-hmm. And they, like a lot of, of companies entering into this space, were like, well, let's make it bland and as approachable as we can to everyone. Yeah. And what I tried to explain to them, which is what, you know, I've, I've seen working is, even if you start out as a completely basic, bland-ass motherfucker, the moment you start getting high, all of a sudden it's going to do to you what it's been doing to people for thousands of years. It's going to open up your mind. You're going to get way more into nature. You're going to get more into bright colors. Cartoony shit is going to look cooler. And it's like, you start smoking the weed, you start eating the gummies, all of a sudden you become one of us. And you like to see cartoony shit. You like to see fun shit. And nobody's nobody goes into a weed store like, oh, that looks like a safe, bland, a approachable. A sense thing. of humor yeah. has to be part of it. A you know sense what? of humor, especially t- t- towards oneself and one's one's product, well, not he, not take yourself a so fucking seriously. You
1: could put make those beauty projects and and those bland products a division of the company. Okay, right. that's a division. That's over here. That's doing its thing. Right. But then you have a whole other division that's devoted to let's do the best indoor. You know, Straight the best up. genetics, indoor, and let's brand the shit out of this. Straight story. up. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's 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 not even a question of what's right and wrong. When <laughs> Once you're in the middle of capitalism, it's a question of what works. Right. What and, works and, or and, doesn't. And now that you, again, if you open the door to capitalism, you got to play by its rules. And the right. rules are saying right now, if you don't have the best indoor, and you don't brand the shit out of that, that project, then... You're you running in second, third, fourth, fifth place, right? And nobody you just cares about you. Become a beggar, straight up. Yeah, yeah.
0: So agreed, agreed. You know, yeah. Uh, I'm hoping for our, uh, you know, our industry, um, but also at the same time for me, like, as I hope for individual friends and their offerings in yes, the industry yes. because I love them so deeply, yes, and, yes. and my, my friends I'm aligned with are good people with good hearts who should do well because that will forward the agenda of the entire human race. At the same time, I laugh when I see the, the legal weed game falling and the, the trap game, the traditional market game, thriving right. to, to such a level. And 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 even though that is also having some problems, right? But I just see, like, to me, it, it's it's like, well, now the whole thing's going to work itself out. And the one thing I'm seeing, that which we keep going back to, is that small percentage of people who are actually caring about what they're doing and immersed in the culture for real, yeah. who actually still smoke weed and give a fuck, those are the people permitted or otherwise... That are currently still surviving and or thriving in this game. I
1: give I give this a lot of thought, and you know I think something that's missing in the equation is that last mile. Uh, you know the last mile right now is the dispensary. We come right. in, we get what we want, we leave. Yeah. You know, there's no time to tell a story, to pitch a narrative. Right. Nothing. How about consumption lounges? Really, that is an I feel underexploited. You yeah, know, well, that's at a distribution.
0: Most most localities still are are not allowing consumption licenses. They're right. just about to start now in Sonoma County and they have Bucket it and run they, them. You know,
1: let's just do it anyway. It's a private club.
0: Well, I mean, that actually, that is happening. <laughs> yeah, there's all types of that kind of stuff. If yeah. you get on Instagram, you'll find there's a whole world, but yeah. it's not tied to the. It's not tied to the permitted lane. There's right. all kinds of seshes and consumption lounges that are trap or traditional market base. And that's and where you
1: can develop a narrative and tell a story and, you know, yeah. it's like, hey, and that's happening, you
0: know, those people are developing a story and they're developing brand loyalty and they're, they're coming with badass products and they're really actually doing amazing and they're having amazing interactions with their customers and they're really kind of demonstrating how it could be done in this legal permitted, permitted market if people were
1: more allowed to do so. But it really is still, like you say, developing outside of the, develop, the, the legal market. It, right. it is. It's, it's, it's like this industry that's taking place in parallel. And, you know, you didn't incentivize the legal market enough. No, sir. As a result, you know, you have these two parallel markets. And who's going to win? The guy without any taxes. The guy without any cost. Well, and, and and they
0: come to a robust marketplace that's been extant for over 50 years. Exactly. And they're like, well, if we just give them this legal lane that totally sucks, then they'll just stop doing it. Why would And it we? was like, yeah, no, it's like you just downgraded. You just downgraded the consequences from machine guns yeah. to a guy with a clipboard. Yeah. And you think, like, people are going to be more afraid. Like, we weren't stopping when you were repelling out of helicopters with machine guns to fucking ruin our lives and kill yeah. our pets. Why would we stop when, when now it's a clipboard and a slap
1: on the wrist and maybe a monetary fine? Why would that, why would there be more of a... Of a so true. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. So, you know, on that note, I think it's time to sample. Is it time to spark one? Yeah, I think it is. So I brought I brought the runts up so instead of the. So I'm gonna Elon the... this bitch out here. <laughs> so I brought the I brought the runs up instead
0: of the uh, marshmallow instead of the marshmallow G. So I can run down together. Whatever your and get thoughts it, are,
1: or... you're the connoisseur. This is some really nice. I'm so just give a that a lowly.
0: Give that a smell. Uh, uh, Let's see if you like the fragrance on that. If you do, I'll twist it up. Holy shit! It's pretty nice, right? That's
1: what the gas is all about. This thing, right? <laughs> here.
0: Yeah. So and it's that oh, runs got a little.
1: It's got a little sharp.
0: Like a tropical, uh-huh, and almost Ooh. like a cheese in it. Yes, ah, ah, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well done. Yeah, All this I was uh, my friend
1: beep, who Honestly. grew this. And <laughs> I see that a great that, job. that program, the A program, and a lot of people I know are you know associated with it. Yeah, uh, but I, I feel like, dude, you want to learn something about pot? Talk to Matthew Saint Germain. That's who you want to talk to. You want to learn Hubble something thanks. about fucking pot. Yeah. The
0: biggest problem I see with the Gangier program is that it's a for-profit program. Oh, it is. I didn't realize that. And in its for-profit nature, it's kind of obfuscating its goals and giving people a little more self-empowerment than I think they're really ready, that they really deserve. Because it's like, yeah, you go for one weekend a month for, you know, two months or whatever, and all of a sudden you know about weed. It's like, no, man, we've been, the guys and and ladies who know about this plant have been immersed in this shit for years. And the people even, there are some people who are new to it. They know a shit ton, but again, it's not because they went up somewhere one weekend a month and fucking hung out with some of my awesome friends who are awesome. Yeah, sorry, we're I'm, awesome, sorry, man. I'm blowing up
1: your shit. Yeah, yeah.
0: But it's because they immerse themselves. And if I was having some sort of gone GA program, yeah. you know, the first thing we do would be like, Word, you guys are all here for the program. Cool. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna fucking dig holes this whole fucking weekend. And if you don't want to dig fucking holes, you can fuck off. Yeah. And then on Sunday That's when where it starts. On Sunday sure. when we're done digging holes, it's like here's two hits of acid. Let's get yeah. this fucking campfire going. Exactly, because like it's about you so it. much. It's about so much more <laughs> than even just smoking the weed, and it's so much that you have to be immersed in. There's so much experiential.
1: Well, I, that and I, I, I believe it's like don't set the bar so low. You know, look at what it takes to be in a to become a wine Thank sommelier. You. Yes, sir. You know, like uh, it's an unbelievable amount of instruction, an un- unbelievable amount of testing. And you should be able to smoke that and say, this is runts from right. this farm, and I know what the fuck I'm talking and about. And isn't a Sommelier program a couple years? It is. Right. It is. It's serious. Yeah, it's, it's totally very, very serious. And, and, so why isn't our program equally serious? No, it's, it's ridiculous.
0: And then what happens is these people... Go through this program, get their certification. I'm sure now i the shit. I'm sure they do learn more. Yeah. But then what they do is they contact my friends because a lot of my friends in the industry are talking about the people who work in dispensaries, people who work at distros. They call them up a little. Well, like I'm on, I'm a ganja now, so I'm ready to be your buyer. I'm yeah. a ganja now, so I'm ready to do bulk, you know, yeah. bulk buying. And it's like you're ready to bulk buying. Like, what do people want in the marketplace? What What's the number one strain right now? It's like, oh well, fuck. I don't know. I was up at fucking X Y Z Farm smoking some sun-grown fucking this and that. <laughs> and it's like, all right, cool. Like, what's the most popular strain in Oakland? Yeah. What's the most popular strain in San yeah. Francisco? And why? What's and, the most? What's, what's the know, most popular strain in yeah. Miami? Yeah. Right. What's a make or break? You know what I mean? Like, start asking these type of questions. What's the absolute strain that no one's gonna buy,
1: no matter where you take it? Right. I'm a big believer, and don't set the bar too low. Yes. You know, don't do that. You know, this is a this is if this is a real deal and set the bar super high uh you know i i feel like uh what i would want to do is and this is the grand experiment that i want to do i want to put matthew saint germain up against whoever is the the best guy in the gangier program i don't i don't know who that person might be but i would put you up against them and say okay let's test uh, on on I'll come up with the the scales, the instruments to test you. Right. You know, and I'm going to ask the exact same questions that you just asked. Right. What's the most What's the most exciting new thing in Oakland? What's the most exciting new thing here? Why are people smoking this? Uh, and 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 then I would, you know, roll some doopies up, and we have a blind tasting, and everybody says, "Okay, that is this," because I know that that is what it is. Right. Uh, you know, and and let me hear you describe it. It's not simply. You know, being able to describe the experience, it's its everything. It's the history. It's this. It's that. I, I just think they set the bar way too low, in my opinion. I think
0: they have room for improvement, I do. And I just think that uh, I, I, I'm not going to argue with the for-profit motive just by itself. But I do think that there really needs to be a less profit-centered, more academically oriented type of a program like Why this? not
1: model it on the Wine Sommelier program? I don't believe that that's a for-profit program. and I It, it may be, it may be, but uh, the primary thing is once you pass the test, you actually have to take a series of tests. Tests, yeah, and, yeah. and I don't
0: think it is for-profit in that I think it's more of... Certification. They're making enough money to pay the teachers and pay the program and right. keep the certification board running, but it is actually... It's, it's not orient,
1: for, for profit, not
0: to garner excess profit, but to keep a fair and, and uh, non-partial certification board running that, that, that assures these qualitative markers are kept for people in this program. And that's what I think it really needs to be more of. And really, like, you should tell these people, like, great, you passed the Ganja program. Awesome. Yep. So now you're going to have to go get a job as a bud tender or a level one cultivation tech. Right. or like go grow some plants in your fucking closet like uh-huh. that's cool you got a little bit of a, of a of a window in and you know what you're aiming towards now go do that work right. don't start calling up every club and telling them like you're gonna be their new you're buyer the it's like there's yeah, so, so, so few there's so few jobs at the top and so many people who are so much more qualified who have been there risking their ovaries or balls in the streets for a decade or right. years right. that maybe didn't go to that program but are well more qualified and have just paid their fucking dues you yeah. know right. and we're in the middle of a we're in the middle of an extant culture that's 50, 60, 70 years reaching into jazz and into Mexican-Americans bringing up cannabis, you know, probably back for before there was an America, right? Like this is something that's uh, that's been built through experience and through people immersing themselves in the lifestyle from A to Z. I
1: was the high school dealer. You know? <laughs> Me too. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I remember the first brick that I scored was going down to Laguna Beach, and uh, there was a guy uh, who hung out at the Taco Bell. The
0: Taco Bell, that's what I was going to say, dude! He
1: hung out at the Taco Bell, and he had an army. Hold on, me too, but but like like three decades later. (laughs) He had an army coat, and inside, when he'd opened the army coat up, he had, like, kilos inside the coat, right? Wow. And so, right there on the street, I'm all, that's where I bought my first kilo. Went back. Fuck yeah. Broke it up. You know, made stem tea because I didn't know any better. Uh, you know, I'm <laughs> trying to get as high as possible. Nice. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I started branding right off the bat. I found uh, these business cards that were from somebody in my family. I don't even know where they were, but they were. I put one of these business cards in each lid, right? Okay. And and it became the brand. Everybody's like, can you get me any of that red goblish? That's that's the stuff. <laughs> 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 oh my God.
0: You know, that's fucking great. It was crazy as so back in the early 90s, I was scoring weed in Laguna that a kid was growing who was uh, one of the uh, brotherhoods um, one of the members of the Brotherhood's grandsons. Mm-hmm. But I was scoring it at that same motherfucking taco bell and I'd go with my friend Tom, who was a motorcycle messenger in downtown, uh-huh. and I would go with him because we could make that trip on the 405 that would take an hour and 45 minutes. Right. We could make it in about 40 minutes. Because he would just take this ninja rocket bike, and he would just be going, like, 55 miles an hour, splitting traffic that was doing 15. Zero. Yeah. And I would just hold on to that back bar. Close and I just your Close eyes. my eyes. And I would just pray the whole way. We'd get there, I'd buy the weed, put it in the backpack, close my eyes, pray. And we, when we got back to Venice every time, oh. I was so fucking happy.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that weed was so good. Yeah. But then it comes to, like, it comes to find out that that Taco Bell has been, like, the center of, of the weed
1: game in Orange County since the brotherhood well the, the laguna beach experience i mean you simply weren't going just to the taco bell to score you also went to mystic arts which was mystic run, arts world run, was run, run, by, the run by the brotherhood you would go and buy you know some hippie beads some trinkets some jesse allen paintings something uh, and then next door to mystic arts was the place that sold only bootleg albums only like albums no way so you go in there and you're buying okay here's dylan on the isle of Wight concert oh. and here's janice at you know uh fillmore west fuck and, yeah you know and and it's all these generic album covers and you're just going crazy because you know that was laguna beach wow i didn't uh, even know that's oh, so yeah. fucking cool yeah, it was the shit wow and wow. um you know that's kind of how i started off what an amazing time what an amazing yeah. time I'm, I'm really trying to track down Michael
0: Randall. I was going to ask uh, Dr. Miller about him as well. But uh, Michael Randall's definitely on my sights, uh, on my, my heads-up display for getting him uh, on the show. He's the surviving head of the Brotherhood. Oh, very cool. Um, so it was John Griggs, and then mm-hmm. Mike was number two. John passed away in the 70s. Um, he had some uh, adulterated, intoc- uh, adulterated psychedelic killed him. Um, and uh, then Michael took over. Uh-huh. But Michael never... He was when he ended up marrying Carol, who was John's wife, never rolled on anybody, was able to evade the feds for like 10, 15 years, ended up getting busted, did his time like a stand-up G, and then uh, now they live down in Marin, and I actually found their jewelry store that their daughter runs, and so I'm, I'm trying to, I'm slowly trying, my next, my next move is to go to the jewelry store, and I'm just going to do this big flower offering. And Very cool.
1: And basically offer the flowers and offer my thanks and then beg to talk to Michael on the podcast. Yeah, I worked with them a lot, you know. um, They had the best Afghani hash. Fuck yeah. You know, you had to have their Afghani hash was outstanding. The LSD, of course. Uh, You know, the Orange Sunshine, when that came around. Uh, You know, supposedly, uh, you know, Nick Sands... It wasn't, you know, some of it was ALD-52, but it, it metamorphosed into LSD and LSD amides. Well, I heard uh, ALD-52 was actually a really nice trip. Is that true? I like that. I like LSD-25 better. Okay. Myself. Uh, okay. You know. Could you comment on, is there like enough difference that you could describe the two? You know, uh, LSD got you there. You know what I mean? You, you got to the center of the universe and you you had the experience, the transformative experience. ALD-52 was visually entertaining. Okay. Uh, it was, but I found it to be slightly more superficial than than full-on LSD-25. Okay. That, that had a way of getting to the core of things. The flavor of that is just knockout. Okay, so let's go here. We're doing a little What's Good in the middle of Radio Free Earth. Oh, my God. Right? Unbelievable. I'm Elon Musk in this bitch. <laughs> Stock shares are plummeting.
0: Sell, sell, sell. Don't let the guys at Elvarius find out. Oh, shit. <laughs> that shit's so funny. Poor Elon. The craziest thing about that is he's is he's got a double whiskey. He's got, like, his second double whiskey. I That's think he's okay. Like two or three of them at that the show. That was fine, yeah. And he literally was like... <laughs> oh, it, he's it supposed was, to join What? And it was... Well, we just lost... It. We just lost... It three billion off the stock right there. You know, it wasn't even like he did a gravity bong hit or The fucking... question is,
1: does somebody with two hundred plus billion care that he lost three billion? No I don't I don't really. think he gives a fuck. I'm not yeah, gonna sleep over it. I don't think he gives a you know? but uh, you know be that as it may, you do end up talking to a lot of wealthy hedge funds in the psychedelic game. Ooh, sorry, oh shit. sorry shit sorry about that in the psychedelic game There it is.
0: And we'll add volunteer firefighter to your <laughs> list of
1: accomplishments as
0: you're putting that out. Sorry about my old butterfingers there. Uh, so you mean nowadays you're talking to a lot of headfun people? Head you fun you talk to a lot of wealthy fund people. And- well, I mean, the thing, Dell, is like, and, and I'm sure you're probably of the same mind. We seem to be of the same mind on a lot of this stuff. Uh, what I've realized in my psychedelic trips and otherwise is there's no, there's actually no them, there's only a bunch of us you know nobody came from anywhere else everybody
1: was born on earth we're all we're all actually related we're all cousins and everybody puts their pants on two legs at a time one leg at a time we're, it's the same deal right right and 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 the moment we get rid of an us versus them dichotomy we can work with
0: hey how do we all solve this problem together instead of let's go fucking kill or convert those people and then we can start solving the problems once we're all us it's like dude we're here us so we got to protect the life support systems we need to work on planetary defense from, from extrasolar
1: objects, and then we need to uh, work on on exploring space. Well, and this peace. has been a hotly debated topic for many decades. You know, uh, how to foment social change. You know, and as I've aged, I've come to believe in a more incremental approach, right? Just because that seems to be what works. Uh, you know, but I believe it can happen all kinds of ways, it can happen through revolution through a revolutionary spark or it can happen, you know, in a very gradual way as well. Agreed. You know, but it's all about distribution of power. And unfortunately the wealthy class has certain advantages uh, that, you know, hopefully they'll be more than willing to allow some of that power to be redistributed. Right.
0: I mean, that's, that's a big part of it is, is, do they give up the death grip? But the number one thing I do is anytime I talk to those hedge fund guys or anybody who's really rich, I just start blowing smoke up their ass about how mushrooms are really easy, easily widgetizable and how these guys are definitely going to 10x, if not 100x their money in psychedelic investments. Yeah. Because I figure that's what they want to hear. If we just keep telling them what they want to hear, then maybe they'll do this shit, make it legal, and help us to really you know, start
1: this. Well, so I will tell you on the up. inside, things have changed. You know, I I used to be able to pitch a psychedelic company and just say, "Hey, we're doing psychedelics. Give me some money." <laughs> okay? And and that worked. Uh then at some point it became, "Well, what's so special, you know, about your deal?" And, oh. and then, so then you you're basically, "Well, I have some NCEs. I have some novel chemical entities. So now, you know, I might be able to give you that 7-year runway." Right. Instead of that 2-year runway. Are
0: you able to pa- to patent a novel a novel psychedelic chemical that is illegal?
1: Yes. Really? Yes. You so can, you can just patent by... any chemical at all, any chemical structure. So just by submitting the chemical structure, you're able to obtain the patent. If you can argue that it doesn't occur in the literature and it it uh, is not represented in any other patents that anybody else might have, wow. Okay. Then it's novel. Wow, I just, I, I, it's blowing my mind that it's patentable even if it were the same as be... true of uh, varieties of cannabis. You know, if you have a, a completely novel variety of cannabis and you can demonstrate that it's completely novel and not covered under somebody else's patent, you can patent that as well. You know, you also have to be
0: able to seed progeny from that cannabis has to have less than 1% variability. So it has to there, be. There a, are rules. Yeah, it has to be know, a very inbred there line. There are rules. But I, I looked into that. I looked into that right when kind of I was jumping into the legal game just to try and figure out like who's going to patent what, who's going to get an end around on who. And luckily, the rules for patenting of cultivars are so thorough and already so so well-known from produce, et cetera, that it's really going to be difficult for people to create patentable strains until they have these
1: super inbred lines. Very true. Um, and I have a guy who does that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Uh, nice dale Dale hunter who is
0: okay i recognize that name
1: yeah he's not only a a lawyer but he has a, a science degree as well wow uh and uh his specialty is genetics and particularly cannabis genetics cool uh and uh you know how does that affect the industry and the value and innovation and all that stuff you know, I just feel like if you work on something for years to get it to fall within the category that you describe, where it's like breeds true like every single time, and it's healthy, and it's resistant, and it's, it passes all these tests, and you've done all that work, I think there's some value there. Very much so. That, that, you know, you should get paid. Very much so. Do I think that, you know, corporations should monetize that on some huge level yeah. and fuck us all? No, I don't, but. There's got to be a
0: fucking happy meeting. Well, and that's where we are... I'm actually going to have an a, uh, interview really soon with Eric Morris. He's a history teacher. We're going to talk about the, um, the disappearance of the commons in Europe and, you know, how that led to kind of our current situation and also the difference between the free market and capitalism and how we can actually have a free market economy. And, you know, personally, I would push towards a free market socialist economy. But... Um, Without having a capitalist economy and the and the and just that rampant um, uh, 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 gathering of capital under so few hands, right? Mm-hmm. And there's actually so he's going to come on and talk about some different economic systems yeah, very that we cool. could actually that we could actually exist I under. I think because that's
1: super instructive.
0: That's our biggest problem. It's not that this guy wants to breed cannabis or this guy wants to market this one name and save it or. Our, it's not these little touch points along the way. It's literally the. The, the base the foundation think that w- the thing that we think is an inescapable fact is just but, but I I, I also
1: I, I would ask that my millennial Gen X subsequent generations have had at least some background in economic theory and political theory before we begin the conversation. So in other words, it. you fucking read Marx at least das Kapital or you know the comic book version i don't give a fuck you know you've read that shit and you know you've got you know some ideas on how society can obviously be best organized and that's you know on the national level everything's got to be publicly owned word you know it's got to be yes you know otherwise you have excesses you have you know car companies that decide it's cool to have airbags that kill people as long as it's a right. small percentage of people that we're killing. Right. You know, they'll make decisions like that. or well, they're, une- they're,
0: they're unethical decisions made because of this structure of publicly owned companies and the way stocks and shares and public ownership of companies works. Yeah. Yeah. They're, well, they're, I, I, they literally I, just become, a, those actions become a byproduct of the need to constantly raise the stock price and constantly be seeking profit instead of some other entity that we could easily design that could just be designed for uh 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 we definitely just hit a joint i've lost my vocabulary no, I, I just for like say, a, a stasis not even a state, but a coexistence right yeah instead of this instead of ever increasing profit what if we just look for an equilibrium what if corporations I, were determined to find a, a step, healthy equilibrium I think,
1: I think that's a step onto just full public accountability right you know I, I i think we've got a you know, I think uh, we have a crew that is not completely self-serving. You know, who, when everything's open and transparent, won't pick the complete low road. Right. You know, especially right. if it is transparent, because then we can check up on
0: it. What I see all the time, anytime I see assemblages of humans, for the most part, is that the majority of people want to do the right thing. The majority of the people really I'm want going to, with that. They want to cooperate. They want to work hard, and they want to help. <laughs> And and I use Burning Man as a model a lot of the time because it's the only alternate model I've ever seen that encompasses fair, that many people, and it's not yeah. you know it's only for a week or two. But at the same yeah. time, what you see is such a large amount of the people who go to Burning Man come to with extra resources to share, and and the willingness to just do work for free for other people to forward the mission.
1: It, it's part of the Woodstock.
0: Right uh, lineage, and so really. there is a, There is a certain amount of people who come to just drag ass and basically be an anchor in the water and get free shit. Yeah. But the thing is, there are so because of the way the culture is ordered, there are so few of those people that they're really almost not noticeable. And the thing is, you, you really can't drag and suck forever. Yeah. And were this to be a society and not just a party like you Burning have Man,
1: mechanisms to take such people and. Get them back into num- a constructive fucking thing. Right.
0: And number one, what they really, what they're usually, they're usually dealing with psychological problems and emotional problems from trauma.
1: Fucking deal with And the with first, it.
0: and when you can educate them and get them to feel good about themselves and to have something that they can contribute. Like when we would Things find start people- start falling into place then. When, yeah, we'd find people like, kind of like, you know, just smoothing off everything at the camp. Yeah. yeah. And you give them an opportunity to work at the T-bar. You give them an opportunity to clean up. You give them an opportunity to help. Yeah. Tidy up the bikes. And all of a sudden they're stoked and now they're helping because they not, just not were really looking for Not to mention the
1: zen that. of doing that repetitive task is like good for you mentally. Agreed. It's like now you're doing something instrumentally. You're helping. It has all these mental benefits. Right. And, uh, it, and you know, at times it's a meditation. Especially. It's a you're meditation. Clean, and, washing. and then all of a sudden you use that as a springboard to do something else. Very much so. You know, so, but my point is this. Major industries, transportation, we collectively have to own that. I totally agree. You know, and we figured out a strategy. Yes, we have. A mix of private transportation and public transportation. We obviously move to an economical solution of public transportation yeah. in urban areas. Yes. And try to extend it to the rural as much as possible as and, well. And airports <laughs> and airplanes. Because yeah. we have private airplane
0: uh, uh, companies. Yeah. But we subsidize them to these huge amounts. And then we forgive their bankruptcies. Which really transportation. amounts to air, right. ground,
1: should be publicly owned. Agreed. publicly administered. Okay. And then I will uh, you know, I, I Elon's not going to want to hear this, you know. Uh and and then I also think uh what else should be? Energy. Energy. Oh yeah. Figuring out energy. Yeah. We're all going to figure out energy together. That makes sense. And that's odd- and guess what else? Medical care. Okay. And, yes, And housing. Yes. You know, people have to have a house and a yes. decent life. Right. You know? And that's the deal. I agree. And if you don't have that, then you have people falling by the wayside and you're stepping over them eventually on your way to the clinic or the restaurant or whatever the fuck it is. And you begin to create outgroups, <laughs> and
0: some of those outgroups might deal internally with self-harm and drug abuse, but then you're going to have, like, the gentleman who just killed, like, 16 people in New York. You're going to have people that you're, you're radically outgrouping. Exactly. That have access to firearms. And, and are just going to be malignant in some way or another, where, again, if that if that person was addressed and given positive ways to integrate into society and positive ways to deal with their trauma, then maybe we could have averted that catastrophe. And to me, it seems like just such a much easier equation to write. Way. Yeah, it's more cost if We're just not making nuclear fucking missiles. And there's a big park in every town where if you're a, a homeless drug addict, you can go and live there, and we'll, like, start working it out from... Here's a spot. Here's a camping spot at the park and a fire ring and a shit and a a toilet or a hole in the ground or something like and just start with basic human services and then sanitation and then hygiene and then medicine and then education. And then what you find is if somebody has a place to live, has food to eat and has some education and is able to get up and feel that they are contributing to the to the worth of society those people are fucking doing so and they're not actually being a drain on society. Exactly. And so why don't we just enable more people instead of punishing them for whatever happened to them in their life.
1: Yes. Man, we're fucking hippies, you and me. The cost-effective thing to do, again, is uh, to return them to society, if possible, as quickly and efficiently and productive. So they're productive and that expands the base for everybody. You know, and and just like in a reasonable way approach it that way, you know. Some people have different timetables for whatever reason. Obviously, transitioning from the fucked up society that we have now uh, to a more utopian society, it's obviously going to take some transition, and we're going to have to de-educate, deregulate, whatever. You know, figure out alternative structures of public ownership, and public accountability, and transparency, and all the major industries, okay? Yeah. And uh, we actually plan out an economy where we say, look, these are our goals. You know, we need to be more efficient. So we need to develop industry that serves that purpose. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, And it seems... (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I hate to just, uh, maybe, I, maybe I oversimplify or keep coming up with the same answer, but again, it seems like it, even completely non-dogmatic, non-religious, but community psychedelic mm-hmm. ritual seems to be the missing uh, ingredient from pe- from the system when people try to institute these more social, aggressively socialist systems mm-hmm. because the monthly, say monthly mushroom usage yeah. would keep everybody or the majority of people's egos in check to the point where they really would stay oriented towards generativity and giving and, and taking part. And when yeah. when you miss that psychedelic component or you replace it with alcohol or, or, or cocaine or something that's very ego-affirming, then everybody begins to draw lines and boundaries and starts pulling in, pulling in, pulling in. And so, I mean, I see this as possible, and I'm sure a big reason why the conversation turns to this every time is this has kind of been the life that we've been immersed in is psychedelics plant teachers and this message that they've been broadcasting into and through us and other people who have long-term contact with them. We all seem to be beaming the same message spontaneously, which is like, yo, like we need trees.
1: We need the air to work. I'd like everybody. You know, I hope it's represented that way. Yeah. And I hope, you know, uh, I guess in an authoritarian context, it could turn out entirely differently. Uh, If you haven't heard that cover, cover story series, you you got to listen to it because it's the big deal that's happening right now in the, the psychedelic what, industry. What, what's this? Uh, in Cover Story, uh, a couple of journalists detail uh, not only broad elements of the psychedelic industry that are kind of abusive and, uh, uh, you know, an abuse of power in many cases uh, uh, that led to predatory behavior. That apparently is well documented, and Maps kind of looks the other way, and, and kind of covers it up a little, wow, and doesn't really address it head on the way they should, and apparently in some cases it, there were some egregious things that happened. And, and like, this is this is not in Maps. This is pre Maps psychedelic clinical. No, no, work this is happen? during the phase two clinical trials that they just had. Stories that reflect on participants in those trials. And A, how uh, some of the therapists crossed an ethical line. Oh, no. And and there was some predatory behavior Uh. on people who had PTSD and were given an MDMA. And even though they're saying everything's working out and they're scoring everything right, uh, they may not have been... You know, actually being helped because uh, of the be- abusive nature of the psychotherapist, which, you know, and other methodological problems. Like they kind of knew ahead of time what scales were going to be used and you could practice for it. Blah, blah, okay. blah. You know, almost yeah. some questionable, both okay. ethical, all kinds of problems. right? That's horrible And to throwing hear. into question the whole psychedelic enterprise and saying, you know, hey. Are we sure how good these things are? You know, like, let's take a hard look at, uh, you know, does it lead the suggestibility and the context for suggestibility lead to uh, potential abuses of authority, abuses of power? It definitely can. And have we been paying enough attention to that dark side? Have we been over-extolling uh, how the virtue. great the virtue gotcha. is at the expense of, not really checking out that it, there is a pronounced dark side. It, I mean, no, I think that that
0: is true. And, and, uh, that kind of goes back to that, that line between curandaria, curandaria and, and brujaria. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And, uh, are the, it does, are the therapists in programs also doing psychedelics or, well,
1: MDMA in these clinical trials. Oh no. Are those, psych- no, are, are okay. those therapists so, required to do or have done some doses is what I'm wondering. well, it's funny you should say that, because, remember, we had the conversation about Salvador Roquette, okay. the Mexican psychiatrist, yes. with yes. the crazy yeah. approach to yes. psychotherapy. Yes. As it turns out, a couple of these MAPS therapists, I'm reading this thing, and they say their their mentor and inspiration was Salvador Roquette. Oh, this guy who no. gave the weird who definitely session was over that I the described. Lines. Fuck, yeah. Way over the line. Wow. But that they had this kind of psychotherapeutic approach where let's use this experience to kind of push people over the edge a little bit or provoke and cross boundaries. And you know, and that included sexual boundaries and some really fucked up shit. That's the opposite of what you ever would be trying. There's just no reason. So it's caused a reevaluation of both the goals, enterprise, everything of the whole psychedelic movement. To use this to treat people, if we're not so sure that it actually works that well, to treat people who have disorders right. of various kinds, and we actually need to take some steps to ensure that these clinical trials are being done properly, right? And you know, approach this more cautiously. Gotcha. I know that there
0: there is an underground network of of therapists in Sonoma County that have been using MDMA for Years. decades, yeah, since it was made illegal. Yeah. They just do it underground and they report, you know, I mean, these folks have, you know, report success throughout their entire framework of their, of their uh, career. But again, yeah. their therapists who contacted the psychedelics themselves personally first yeah. began doing their own work and then saw how these would have a lot of efficacy in their, in their clients and their work uh-huh. with their clients. Absolutely. So they weren't straight folks coming in. Like, have you seen that video of the housewives that they give acid to? Yeah. It's like uh, the CIA in the fifties, yeah. and then um, and then there's another one where they give it, where they give it to this guy. They give it to like a, a, a regular dude, right? And you see him. He's an army guy, I think, right? And you see him tripping. and He's going through it, and he's like, "Man, this is like heavy, and I'm trying to deal with it." And then the 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 doctor and the other guy are just like, "You know, you can do this. You do this task right now. Like, make this happen." And
1: like the Everything entire time, could, they're just straight doing.
0: fucking with the guy. Yeah. Right. And so that's why I was asking that, and if. If that was happening because it's like if, if you're not ahead yourself and you don't have any 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 experience with what this person is going through, you could be acting in a very unkind way even through your subtle actions if you're not conscious
1: of what you're doing or how you're languaging with people. And this is a problem in psychotherapy yeah. where you have to manage essentially transference and psychological issues where you know uh, the therapist-patient relationship is kind of a, exclusive type of relationship that has to be carefully examined and monitored to make sure it stays on the right side of ethical agreed (laughs) and on its own without psychedelics but then yes uh, just just, to that old deal yes and you know and it really goes back to using these things to treat medical disorders i advocate Using them for everything, you know, and not <laughs> Me simply <too>. medical disorders. <laughs> Just the friendly check-in. But, and and then the, the question becomes moot. But uh, I still think, uh, how they get distributed, and you know how we deal with them, has something to do with an individual response to them. Yes. Which has to do with context and also, particular. Uh, individual perspective that that person brings to the mix, you know. Right. And he uh, could end up with the QAnon shaman. I was going to mention that when you, when you were talking about how it can go either
0: way, and we were talking about the line again, and that's another thing where we've seen all these people who I thought were real cool-ass festival hippies that just fell head over heels into Trump and into this fictitious <laughs> thought that somehow this megalomaniacal narcissist boob, who's always been such who's always been that, who's always been very unintelligent, very lowbrow, and just very boorish, was the hidden savior of us all. And the crazy thing was, like, I, I know, I, a bunch go, of
1: people still kind of went down that road.
0: Right, but I would go through the checklist with them where it was like, you know, like, the global U.S. and British banking system and colonialism. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Thing. Throw all that shit Institutional in Institutional racism, yes. Yeah. The CIA has been totally fucking it all since World War II and destabilizing all these different regimes and putting all these dictators in power, Yes. They've been selling drugs in America. Yes. Like the Patriot Act, the NSA, like, yes, yes. With the guy, the hotel pro. And so yeah, now, and I the whole thing down. Fascism. And then we get to that, you know, we get to that, to, to the line that represents yeah. equals, right? with you
1: and all that, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then at the bottom, you're like, let me see yours. And you're like, how the fuck did you get Trump on this? <laughs> like, I got, I well, got like, you. yeah, I got like mushroom LSD anarcho hippie commune. Yeah. And you got fucking Trump. Like,
1: Unbelievable, and and, and and at the and, same time, I noticed. And know, is that their hyper suggestion? The QAnon thing need. was just being what formed. That? There was a whole uh, additional kind of, uh, you know, hippie view of that stuff. Uh, uh, of you know, there were spinoffs from QAnon that had to do with. Do you remember that period? It's very well. I you mean, know, the whole thing uh, just the whole thing just blew had my mind this friend, because uh, so. Uh, chemist uh-huh. you know who just went off on uh he was the first guy to really was it mark uh the guy up in humboldt
0: oh no different uh, no i i uh, i i invested into this company big and then their chief science officer started sending me uh pandemic and uh yeah and i was just like that and my whole thing was like dude i was literally <laughs> he's sending me the shit del and what i'm doing is i'm Should building be. out cultivation <laughs> facilities in lake county for yeah. one company yeah i'm managing a hemp farm the first legal hemp farms to uh one's 35 acres one's 100 acres in wyoming for this other company yeah and anytime i'm at home i'm just building this chicken coop by hand like the best chicken coop it's ever energetic like, well the thing was at the moment i wasn't doing something this is the very beginning of the pandemic the moment i wasn't doing something I would just start to spin out on the end of the world and how this could start a war and like, you know what I mean? And I've got kids and like, I got yeah, a family. Yeah, and I'm, and so I'm <laughs> just like, I'm just trying to build this fucking chicken coop. Yeah. And so dude That's sends good. me a pandemic like yeah. and my other friend starts yelling at me about Bill Gates and I got with all these guys. I'm like, look, yeah. here's the thing is, look I A about the pandemic thing, I think it's totally wrong and I could go into a whole show about why. Like, yeah. COVID isn't real. Yes, it is. And everybody agrees on that now. Masks make you sicker. No, they don't. I was a firefighter and I wore masks and worked for for weeks at a time and I wasn't made sicker. I could keep going down, but I
1: won't. But my point was, I I don't like this whole idea of it's tyranny because I have to wear a mask and we have a segment of society. At the very least, you'll admit that we do have a vulnerable part of the population. Oh, yes. That we prefer not to get sick. And by all of us wearing masks, it's for the collective good. So that portion of society doesn't get sick and become a burden on medical resources I'm down, That's only I'm fucking down.
0: smart right so so for me it's like <laughs> a k95 masks definitely work and and i believe in them and i was i i was wearing them first for my own protection even before i was wearing them for other people's safety a B like if there's a minor social signal while we deal with a pandemic disease mm-hmm. or an epidemic disease in which i i wear any piece of fabric anywhere to indicate my my will towards hygiene and sanitation and mm-hmm. safety and respect mm-hmm. for others in my community that are less fortunate than myself, I will gladly wear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, society is a is a meeting point between individual sovereignty and the communal good, and right. we do have to balance those two things. and And for myself, I'm more than willing to make minor concessions for the group good, and I think sure. that that's really important for a lot of us. Yeah. Um, well, let me just backtrack real quick without right. naming anybody's names. So my only point with all these guys that were going into queue was like, look, yeah. I respect that you think Bill Gates is evil. I think okay. you respect pandemic movie is totally real. I respect you think the earth is flat. Yeah. Cool. Like, okay. let's be friends who talk about gardening... Or the phases of the moon, yeah. or what music we like, yeah. or how we all want a clean earth. And I, I don't want to talk about this other shit. Let's talk about these things that we do agree with,
1: Yeah.
0: and like, let's just agree that we disagree about some shit. But the problem was all these motherfuckers in the Q group would also require a loyalty oath. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, I think Bill yeah. Gates is coming to do this isn't this. Wh- but you also, you, have to, you also have to say that. Yeah. And like my stance on Bill Gates is like, I don't know the guy, Yeah. and I've seen him Th- do some... Good things on purpose. I start
1: with some, some bad other things place like, entirely. It's like, uh, this sounds a little far-fetched. Slow down a minute. Right. Uh, you're saying what exactly? Uh... Well, well the, so like take <laughs> Bill Gates, for instance, right? Yeah.
0: What he has done is gotten clean water to hundreds of thousands of people in Africa for free. Yeah. Like he's actually done that. Uh, what he's also done is started medical checkups for women. And people are like, that's because yeah. he wants to sterilize people yeah. and only have white ba-. No. He stated this, and this is the same reason for, uh, uh, that's just been documented from when women get sexual health help mm-hmm. for themselves, and contact health authorities, they end up getting more more medical help and intervention for their families as well. Right when they have birth control help, when there's birth control and birth control education offered to women, birth rates go down, and women's education level and autonomy goes up. Right, and so. That's what he's trying to do, and many people, for whatever reason, reinterpret that into some sort of eugenic plan. And again, my whole thing is, like, if that's what you think it is, cool, I don't think it is, but I'm also not putting a ton of time to that. I'm trying to build this chicken coop. I'm trying to raise my family. I'm trying to spend less time worrying about what they are doing to us, and I'm trying to spend the majority of my time with generating positive output in the terms of resources and or morale to my friends and family and community. Yeah. And then, you know, so then when I was trying to tell them that, then it was like, well, you're just not my friend anymore. And that right. was the, the craziest thing for, to, to see all these people that were yeah, I have in the community and, and meshed in psychedelics, and I thought we all had the same answers. All of a sudden, they're uh, aligning themselves with Trump, and then it's not just Trump, and, and they couldn't seem to see this, but it's also... Uh, Ted Cruz and Mitch the McConnell truckers, the and, convoy and, and the, the fucking crazy fucking Quaker wife, Supreme Court justice and and the right wing Supreme Court and these forces to to right wing fascism and and Abrahamic religious control and these are people and who that I been obvious
1: I mean jeez right wrong with and these are
0: people? people I smoked hella dope and we talked about how Abrahamic religions effects and influence needs to be at least lessened if not ended on the earth, like we've gone through all these. And all of a sudden they're coming up with like Trump and the Republicans, which equals evangelical Christianity in America. And it's like, bro, I haven't been waving an American flag ever once in my life because I've known about the CIA since I was in fucking grade school. Yeah. So I don't know. My hope is I'm going to actually be on a panel and I hope this podcast doesn't blow a bunch of people and piss a bunch of people off. If it does, oh, well, I still fucking love you. But I'm actually, (laughs) I'm (laughs) scheduled to be on a panel at LIB about how do we have divergent political opinions yet remain cohesive as a community. That's so it's something very that's been thoughtful. going through my mind a lot because it's like, even if you're hella into Q and hella into Trump, I radically disagree, but I still respect you wanting to be my friend. I have friends who are super anti-mask and like, I'm not. And at the same time, I still want to be their friend. And I, some of them I will talk to about, about the philosophical concepts. And what I find out so far, what I've seen from most people who are anti-mask is they don't, spend as much time in a radical self-reflection and spend a little bit more time focused on their current situation and what the government is doing to them. And what the government is doing to them is, for the most part, fairly fucking legitimate because our government is grinding us all to ash and bone and blood and nothing.
1: But at the the same time,
0: I find that I spend more time examining myself and my mental processes and asking myself, what is my philosophical framework? What is my moral framework? What is my ethical framework? And in that I maybe come to some different decisions. So I still want to be friends with these people and I understand their outlaw spirit because I have an outlaw spirit and I find that we just,
1: we, we, we disagree in degrees on these subjects. Right. You know, I, I wish it were that simple, you know, at my age, I, you know, if, if you're a fucking idiot, I can't associate it. It's as simple as that. <laughs> you know? Uh, to me, it's like more of a, a life or death choice. You know? Because well, I'm is. at risk. Yes. You know? Yes. I, I've, seen, I've seen lots of people get over it. Everybody, it's fine. Blah, blah, blah. But it's a fucking crap shoot. You Sometimes idiot. it's not fine. Sometimes, it's not, Sometimes fine. it's not fine. It's really not fine. Yeah. So wh- why do I even want to fucking risk it, especially Agreed. at my fucking age? I agree. So I agree. You yeah. know, you bring that shit to me, you're not you're a des- mask. Well fuck you. Then I, I, I haven't got time because I, I'm gonna get it if I hang out with you. I already know that. Agreed. I agree. I <laughs> agree. I agree. I think uh you know, for myself I've just spent
0: so much of my life with opinions so far outside of what is even close to approaching yeah. outside of mainstream. Mm-hmm. That I've been more sensitive to just trying to figure out how to bring other people along on my journey as I, I admire that, but I, I with I what you're saying, admire the shit out of I get that. what you're saying hundred percent. Somebody has to
1: do what you're describing uh, for myself. You know, <laughs> you know I just, you know, I've tried talking. You know, yeah. it's just like and and I have a, I have some general opinions. Yeah. And I, I believe there's been a decline in education. There has been very much so. And, and people are susceptible to weird... They don't have the rigor of thought process to recognize the discipline to be able to Correct. say, hey, I'm going off on a fucking tangent here. Correct. <laughs> well, and that's that's uh,
0: why one of the things I address a lot, you probably heard of this before in your life travels, is the trivium method of education, right? This is what was taught in Greece, in ancient Egypt, in Rome, in the Lyceum, and that yeah. begins with grammar... Yeah. logic and rhetoric and grammar yeah. is yeah let's, let's start with that we start with letters no. how do letters work numbers how know? do you well how do you make words mm-hmm. with letters mm-hmm. how do you put words together into coherent sentences and then you move into logic
1: yeah how
0: yeah. to make and how to construct true statements how to determine false statements and then rhetoric which is how to both construct an argument to persuade someone as well as deconstruct an argument so not to be taken advantage of and if we were to Educate people in that methodology, which then leads to the quadrivium, which is number, math, mm. geometry, music, and then astronomy or now astrophysics, because
1: <laughs> grammar, logic, and
0: rhetoric is now, how you understand. There's got to be a botanical
1: thing in there somewhere.
0: Well, that 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 goes. By astrophysics is all of science. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so it's grammar, logic, and rhetoric, so that you can communicate with other human beings. Right. Math, because that's the language of the universe running. For sure. Geometry is number in space. Yeah. Music is number in time. And then astrophysics and all of science is number in space I, I, and time. I like your general
1: approach. It and sounds so then, very comprehensive. Well, that's how they used to do it. Yeah. And if
0: we continue to p- teach people in this way, then you first teach people how to relate to each other honestly, and how to determine if someone is not relating honestly, and then how to use those honest relations to form thinking and working groups, and to begin to understand the universe using the scientific method. Yeah. And and so that's what I'm totally into, and I think that's what we're missing because uh, okay, everybody, uh, also, everybody, everybody got public to in public school got in these
1: tests. We've Orange got to build in appreciation uh, of cultural diversity, Hallelujah. other cultures, yes. and, and realize that the way you look at things is not the way everybody looks at things. Correct. Uh, and we have to have a certain level of uh, tolerance and perspective. I agree. And and realize that that difference is one of our strengths, that, uh, you know, uh, the more diverse an ecosystem, the better. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Oh, so in general
0: when and, and so i think in the 70s and in the 80s we got disrupted because i remember when it happened i was in the generation where we got disrupted from so right when it happened i got to go to private school thankfully and my few years in private school totally just aligned my brain and how to think but in my generation we went from a, a critical thinking teaching model to a test taking model where it yeah. became just about taking aptitude and standardized tests. Yeah. I came out with all those standardized tests out of the Midwest. Yeah. And we just moved more and more to a test-taking and then movie-watching model of schooling instead of an independent critical thinking, rhetoric and logic-based, and and, and really math-heavy and science-heavy curriculum, You know where people are actually taught how to think. And I think that's uh-huh. been... Uh, the unfortunate-ness of that is that's I think that's been perpetrated on us in order to enable economic stratification so that the haves can maintain to have what they have. Exactly. But it's having this unexpected blowback where the people that you're not educating are buying on to to trends that are fallacious, but they're also at times so malignant, they can cause shit like January 6th where all these idiots are fucking overrunning the Capitol. And it's like, I want to be so stoked that American citizens are overrunning the Capitol if they just weren't doing it for evangelical Christians and and fascist principles and for all and and institutionalized white supremacy if they weren't doing it for all the wrong reasons i'd be like hell yeah get the fuck up
1: in there yeah yeah so so um, myself i also you know i had the good fortune of going to that school that was you know for the very wealthy and so the quality of education was like very high right you know everybody learned latin and greek and i have this general feeling that when you make resources available to people, it, they grow to the potential, to really appreciate them. You know, so the the lower, you keep lowering the bar. That's what you get. Right. You know, and uh, the opportunity to be exposed to all that stuff, I think, is was like super helpful. <laughs> Instrumental in my formation,
0: I have, I have, uh, I mean, I think we've been going forever. I tend to. Uh... My only problem so far with the podcast is they're so fun for me that I could probably do six hours straight. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. Who do you think was your most important earliest and or early life mentor? And could you maybe just take a minute to reflect on that and then give us a story about that? Yeah.
1: Uh, It was, uh, you know, one of the classes that I had in anthropology uh, at the graduate level was... Uh, ethnographic field methods and it was essentially as an anthropologist how to do an ethnography right and so the professor who taught that class was really instrumental in you know didn't go on now but uh, was super in influential in my way of looking at things you know and was a very, very subtle appreciation of, you know, sort of a shamanistic worldview, and how societies function, and how, you know, the ability to be that kind of person is the ability to see completely beyond the superficial aspects of things, to the underlying structure of things, and uh, to be able to see that structure. Uh, So the first... Um, lesson we had was he said, you know, like bring an object that has something in it that uh, resembles you or as is part of you, just that object represents you in some way. So we all bring these objects, right? And put them in the middle of the table and uh, he says, now we're going to try and assign objects to people how do you do that? Well, you, you make a description of the person, and you make a description of the object, and then you look for congruences. <laughs> right, makes sense. And it becomes obvious, wow. quite rapidly, who who brought which object. Wow. And he was like... That's really cool. People would call this magic. People would describe this as magic, but really it's a scientific enterprise it's a scientific process you know where we actually look at the relationships, the congruences and then so from then on it it, like emphasized right off the bat the self-analytical nature of the anthropological project you know like uh the worst part of it is that it came out of colonialism and you know kind of domination, but the best part of it was this meta-analysis of social structures Yes. based on culture and that way of looking at the world, which is yes. when you're actually in the middle of it, it's, it's psychoanalytic because there's a lot of self-reflection that goes on because uh, you really have to bracket yourself off <clears throat> from what you're seeing and hearing and, and inter- interpreting it in a very objective way, as objectively as possible. So uh, it, it lets you see who you are and that, that's part of the process of working in another society. You one have the opportunity to be somebody completely new because nobody knows who the fuck you are. And at the, the other time you find out because the, the slate is clean and you're starting fresh just like you're a child. Right. And you have the opportunity to see who you are. <laughs> In a, in a very new and objective way and so this guy really emphasized that aspect of You know what the anthropological project was all about. So the next thing that he wanted to do was let's uh, You guys pick a community that you want to do an ethnography of and then we talk about you and your relationship to that community and why you chose that community and how that community represents you. Wow. Uh, so it was about this time that I really became fascinated with. as a corollary to this with um, the diaries of anthropologists who work in other cultures. You know, like going way back. Right. Like Malinowski. Oh, dude, uh, that's so cool that I was actually, <laughs> you know. You know, Margaret Mead, you know, uh, people who were doing anthropology, these are their personal diaries. I became fascinated with that project. Yes. Uh, And it's extremely revelatory from, you know, yes, you know, it's in the context of uh, this colonial project. But at the same time, there is this analytical part where you see, you know, what their prejudices actually were and what the, the experiencing of encountering another culture where you know nothing. Right. And you don't know what's good, what's bad, anything. Right. Uh, and how you have to figure that out, or you make a fucking fool out of yourself. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and no one takes you seriously, and you never accomplish what you want to do.
0: Nice. <laughs> Epic. Sounds like my life so far. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's cool that you mentioned Malinowski, because his he did an ethnography on the Trobriand Islanders. And then Reich's uh, Reich's Reich went through in, in Reich's examination, and highlighting of uh, Malinowski's ethnography. It was current. It was current at the time. It right. was like so what that, was happening. That was the groundwork for the invasion of compulsory sex morality, and Reich uses that ethnography to show uh, how societies evolve from primitive work democracy through matriarchy through patriarchy, and how. Cross-cousin marriages were used to gain the agricultural marriage gift and create chiefdoms. Basically and keep what, it in the family. And that's what led to sexual <laughs> suppression and arranged marriage because you couldn't have people getting pregnant outside of wedlock because then that would disperse agricultural riches.
1: In anthropology, uh, that, you know, like when I was uh, you know, first starting out was represented by uh, Claude Levy Strauss, who yes. had a theory of marriage that developed on around the same social structures that were used to uh, move commodities became the same social structures that used women as a tra- trade object, and that's the context in which right. marriage is embedded. Right. You know, and then, uh, he had, uh, you know, really elaborate algebraic models to show how underneath their structure was exactly the same. Right, right. But the unintended consequences were then
0: sexual suppression, due to the, you know absence of, of birth information, you know
1: uh, you know procreative information and birth control. Whatever goes along with com- commodification, so that and then more and more an and then fascism. Right? When you have sexual yeah. suppression yeah. and you start
0: you start hammering down on people's mm-hmm. sexuality, they start to grow more aggravated and aggressive.
1: Yeah.
0: And so Reich was showing through the work of Malinowski basically how like how this whole thing kind of erupted. It sounds like, I've heard of Claude Levy Strauss, but I haven't, I have only read allusions and mentions of his work. I haven't read his yeah, myself. Yeah, well, it was, you know,
1: basically that, you know, marriage is in the same type of structure. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the fact is that uh, it, from the psychological side, it certainly had elements of repression. Yeah. Um, you know, as well. So. Well, especially arranged marriage,
0: where you're like, that fifty year old dude is coming to scoop you up tonight. You know, my little thirteen
1: year old daughter. I can't. Well, you know, I- indigenous can't imagine societies that. had different ways of dealing with that. Actually, uh, you know, a lot of indigenous societies are organized along matriarchal right. lines. Yes. So, what does that mean in actual practice? If they're,
0: they're yeah, if they're pre-patriarchal, they're usually pre-arranged. They're they're pre-meaning before the arranged marriage system and they tend to be sexually more free and women have
1: more autonomy. You, you you marry this woman from another group, but how do you raise your kids? You actually raise your kids with your sister. Yes. Brother. Yep. And she, you know, it, it, it works in a completely different fashion. Uh, it really makes sense because it's like
0: everybody who came out of this vagina is related. Right. And so, when this lady has kids, her brother is the dad. Exactly. Because he came out of the same vagina. And, and
1: arguably, is he more objective than most you, likely, somebody who's biologically Probably, related. yes. You know, he's more objective and he's, yeah. he's probably a better person to be that uh, the person who, who's the man. because well, he's not in a tumultuous er,
0: eros-infused love relationship with the mother. The mother has, is his sister, who most likely he's had a great familiar relationship with, and and therefore just cares about spontaneously already, and so
1: he's going to care about their her kids as if they were his own. Yeah, so I'm in Fiji and uh, working, you know, how going to a lot of kava-kava parties okay. and having a good time, you know. And I actually smuggled a whole bunch of weed in as well. I had... Oh, snap. Hawaiian uh, at the time was a higher quality product for sure, really unique. Uh, and... I'm with this guy and he's like, okay well, let's uh, let's go back and party at my house uh, okay let's go okay and yeah uh, in it you know uh, we're all sitting down at the kitchen table getting high and this woman peeks her head around the corner and uh, goes back and starts doing something and well I asked my friend well is that your uh, is that your wife He's like my wife. Why would I live with my wife? Like what? are you nuts? <laughs> he looked at me like Crazy you... really? Okay. That's an idea. <laughs> like I never even thought of that. <laughs> wow. So it was his sister? Yeah, it was his sister. Wow. So So they were still living that way. Yeah, she no, that's how it works. Wow. Okay. You live with your sister and you see your wife every once in a while, but she lives with her people. Wow. What a trip. Yeah. And again, your uncle uncle raises her kid. Okay. And you raise the other one's kid. Right. And that's how they do it. And Fijian people seem like so stoked. They always seem like such very happy, family centered, really amazing. But he really couldn't get over the idea that you'd live with your wife. What, like, that is the craziest thing (laughs) I ever heard of. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. What a trip,
0: you know? You just, you go a little bit, you know, you go a little bit, uh, a few thousand miles somewhere else in the world, and, like,
1: your whole reality just doesn't even exist. So, the larger thing is, you know, it's how arbitrary. Yes, It all organization is. Hallelujah. And, you know, like, let's just self-create it and yeah. be knowledgeable. Uh, try not to be too exploitive.
0: <laughs> For real. <laughs> I have a friend named Steve Coe who might have disappeared into the great beyond of, uh, drug usage, but he was a fucking amazing person, and, uh. You know, he just kept it simple. That, uh, don't lie, cheat, steal, or throw trash on the ground.
1: Sleep occasionally. And so. Very good. I think if we all live by that one, it'd be a better world for sure. It reminds me of the Peter Coyote book, uh, Sleeping Where They Fall. Oh, okay. I love him, but I haven't read that book. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a badass.
0: He was a digger. He was. He was a digger from the yeah. the summer of love and, and before. Yeah,
1: I yeah. know the scene fairly well. So cool. that's epic yeah and so yeah back in the day uh, there were so many characters running around the Bay Area California and especially
0: the Bay Area was so wide open I mean that Mm -hmm. I have been a, a student of that time period my entire life because it is just so rich in personality and history poetry inspiration legendary happenings it really was a huge
1: moment you know the freaks almost won so I went to, you know, parties and Alexander Shulgin's. Nice. I went to, you know, I mean, the people who were running around at that time, Alan Watts, Darren McKenna, Dennis McKenna. Right. Uh, you know, a, a number of these people uh, were, you know, kind of, everything was, there, there was a lot of, Intellectual development at that time, or a lot of there
0: was there was a lot of intelligence in psychedelics, and I and I a lot of well read, folks who were spearheading the movement, and I really appreciate that myself. I I find yeah me, I really appreciate the rich intellectual academic uh, history. Mm-hmm. I'm a big I'm a big reader, big into philosophy, big into history, and I yeah. find that the more we read into those subjects, the richer all of our life experience becomes. We have more of a field to compare it against. We gained so many perspectives, you know. It's really traveling and reading is how you gain perspective
1: for the most part. Yeah, yeah. A lot of minor characters too that, you know, also contributed to the color of the scene. Right. Do you know about the source family? Oh yeah. Right. The, so- the source do. restaurant in Hollywood. For example. So, bro. Great example. Bro,
0: I just interviewed Patrick Sunflower Aquarian. The bass player for Yehoah Thirteen.
1: Was he and, there from from the beginning? Or? Yeah,
0: he was father. He was Father Yode's number two guy. Oh my god! Yeah, and he That's just tripped. And the crazy thing is, I've been into like the whole Father Yode source family trip because they've actually they were a very ethical, high minded cult,
1: and they really did a good job of. Hey the man, I hung thing. out there all the time. No way! Yeah. Wow. So because it was a cool place to eat, you know, and, wow. Uh, uh, it was the only place where you could get vegetarian food that Fucking was trip. like good, you know. And yeah, uh, so I just
0: learned about it from a picture I saw on the internet years ago of Father Yode and Patrick and another guy. I think it was Octavian in the knee high boots with the Prince Charming or whatever they call them, sweat uh, shirts and the whole the whole deal on the Rolls Royce. And for me, it was at a time when the internet, Wikipedia wasn't done, and all this stuff wasn't really. I'm having camera problems. wasn't Wasn't really even developed, and so. Um, it was this mystery thing I tried. To, I I did get into, tried to find out about. I got Father Yod's couple of books and like got more into, and then I started finding Yehoah Thirteen stuff on YouTube. Oh my god! And then Patrick Sunflower Aquarian, beautiful brother, just happens to move next to my friend Adam Crow, or Adam actually moved in next to him a couple years ago. Yeah,
1: they were into the drugs too.
0: Oh, totally, dude. He yeah. he drank like a bottle of acid his first time, like a yeah, whole vial, yeah, and and yeah. so. I just interviewed but him I think for they the podcast. Were, they were moving
1: some drugs too.
0: They were really into the kundalini aspects,
1: and, and I'm telling you, I know these guys. <laughs> they were moving some drugs, you know. I don't know exactly what, but it, in those days it was psychedelics and weed. So right, right. I mean, I'm sure you know. Who knows who did what with what? Maybe some coke.
0: I, I know that they were no they were really into can uh cannabis and LSD and really anti yeah, yeah. they were anti cocaine yeah. super into Kundalini yoga and sprouts and like yeah, healthy living yeah. and I think they also had like a sandal or some other ga- oh they yes they did now yeah. no,
1: it's all coming back to that. <laughs> yeah oh yeah. my god that yeah. fucking deal yeah you know so, it, it was, was a good. really I, I took everybody there because. Excellent. Uh it was, you know, I, I took friends from Texas, from Mexico, I mean, people throughout the country, friends right. from New York, and they were just like, Oh my god, this is so California. Well and it was such a novelty I yeah. at oh that time god. period. There I was no such thing as place. a place that sold sprouts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well.
1: What I mean. else was good? Uh you
0: know. I actually got uh, Adam sent me copies of the menu. Oh yeah, yeah. I can. I'll find them and text them to you when I find them. But yeah, copies of the original menu, and they had
1: fresh brewed, one hundred percent Colombian coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. Oh, that's funny. Uh, That's funny. Uh, Um, You know what else was good at the same time down the street was my other favorite place to go, which was Tommy's Burgers.
0: Oh, it's still there. Still there. I know Tommy's and all of the Pretenders. Tommy's number seven. T-O-M-Y is number six, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. So I had this
1: big party, uh, you know, uh, I think it was 40 or something, uh, and w- one of the things was my friends knew how into Tommy's Burgers I was. There was this Korean guy, uh, and I can't remember what his name was, uh, but this guy was like... Throw up four patties <gasps> and all the condiments and assemble it midair. Whoa, flip it around, and there it was perfectly wrapped. You <laughs> <laughs> nice. would do shit like that nicely done. So, to my 40th birthday party, my friends brought this guy. Wow, <laughs> no, shit. Yeah. the burger slinger. Yeah, I mean, it was also the chili that they would put on Tommy's burgers, yeah, as you may have been yeah. called. No, so uh, right when I moved to LA, I had this
0: super mega dose mushroom experience, <laughs> and the mushrooms told me to not eat mammals anymore, and so the I moment I the moment I moved to LA, I stopped eating mammals almost instantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, just yeah. for me, no trip on anybody else. No, no. No, oh, this was you know, I was growing up in high school. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't go to there. I never got to eat a mo meaty meat mo meaty meaty meat burger, uh-huh. which I think is on Century. And I never got to eat at the hot dog place, so I missed out on some of those L.A. uh, legends because of uh,
1: those goddamn psychedelic mushrooms. Mostly at this point, we were into uh, the early restaurant scene, the French stuff. Nice. In Hollywood, it was La Rogerie. Okay. Pre-restaurant scene. Yeah, right? All the stars would go there. Diner, steak, or fucking get the fuck out, right? Well, they give you a cigar. No, I mean yeah. like other than them, like traditional oh, American food. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, just the beginning, the very beginning of stuff. That's so cool. That's, you know. Anyway. Well, I think
0: we've been going for about three hours. That's good. So we should probably wrap it up, smoke yeah. a little more dope. Yeah. And um, I would, of course, be honored to have you back anytime you can make it. Okay, and thanks well, I, for I, putting up with me, uh, hammering on you until you came down. I really, I had a great time. I had a great time. Awesome. Very awesome. good. And yeah. I think we really we explored some cool shit and I think we I think so. really uh, created a conversation of value you know I hope at least it yeah. seems like to me yeah. I guess folks out there will let us know well, it's
1: only because I completely agree with <laughs> a lot of what you said so. and we, since we do agree we do tend to agree a yeah, lot yeah, we yeah. We agree oh, a but lot. I'll try it's to come so up maybe. with some stuff to
0: disagree about yeah, yeah. mainly definitely. it's just that uh, I, I will be you are
1: nice more. Too. You sound more tolerant than I, me slightly more tolerant it's than, than Dr. Del yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's because you're young yes I'm a spry look at this that'll wear in time yeah trust me
0: I just keep doing the acid and the mushrooms so far they keep setting me straight that does set you straight they keep me from getting away from myself can't argue with that I'm not one of those guys that can stand in the face of psychedelics and do much other than whimper and cry and promise to do better every time yeah yeah well thanks for coming yeah um I'm gonna is there any are there any social links or website links or any links that you'd like to shoot out um
1: uh, I don't kind of brand myself in that way. Cool, <laughs> all good. Uh, if you guys want to find Doctor Del Potter, fucking good luck. And, uh, you can email you know, me, and I will um, forward
0: it on to me. I'll give you coordinates yes. within ten miles of his house, yeah. and then it's up to you Let to me find see. him from there.
1: I do have an email address, but should I give that out? If know. you if you want anybody who's interested to contact you, yes. Uh, if not,
0: they can go fuck themselves. Yeah. No.
1: Okay. So I'm on. <laughs> I'm on Twitter. Oh, there you go. See. Yeah. There we go. Come on. Come on. Dr. Del Potter. At Dr. Del Potter? I think so, yeah. Okay, cool. Excellent. And, and so that's a good way. There's a way to contact you. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well,
0: Dr. Dell, thanks for coming. I love and appreciate you very much, and that was super it fun was, for me. It was great. Awesome. Okay. Bye, everybody.